On today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, Pastor Neil continues the series, The Mystery of Intimacy, with the story of Mary and Martha. Today's message is from Sunday, February 4th, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. What assurance we have knowing that God is in control. The old church used to say he's a sovereign God. That God in his righteousness has decreed and declared and the gates of hell shall not change the sovereignty of God. It means that whatever's going on in your life right now, you can trust that God knows, he sees, he's going to work on your behalf and he's in control. Amen? Amen? What a mighty God we serve today. What a mighty God we serve. Can we put our hands, let's worship him again. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise the Lord. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, church, let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, 10 seconds, 10 seconds of praise. 10 seconds of praise. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. God's been too good for us to be silent. God has been too good for us to be silent. He's a good God. I feel his presence. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Luke chapter 10. Book of Luke chapter 10, we'll pick up in verse 38. I plan to do one more sermon message in this series after today. But to be honest with you, this is the one message that has perplexed me. It was the initial sermon message the Lord gave me for the series. It was the emphasis of the series, the beginning. I know I'm preaching in week five. I feel like it's where it fits. But to be honest with you, I confided in some of our leaders, it has given me the most trouble because of the content of the scripture. I would love to say I identify with the one that the Lord is praising, but to be honest, I do not most of the time. So through study and conviction, I bring to you the sermon. If it convicts you, I want you to know up front, you're not riding or paddling your boat by yourself. I'm already there, you just don't know it, amen? So if it convicts you, instead of saying, we need a new preacher, listen to the word and let God speak, amen? Amen? I asked the Lord numerous times, let me preach something else. And I was rebuked each time. So we're going to obey the Lord. Amen? Amen. Pastor Godwin told me, he said, you know it's 2 o'clock. And normally I take my nap about now. I said, I do too. He says, so you either need to preach a fiery sermon or make sure you let us out on time. Amen? So we're going to find out. I agree with Pastor Godwin. I agree. Let's go Luke 10, please. Verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered to a certain village, not a new village, one that he knows, one that he's been to. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into, the Bible says, her house. Probably depicts that she was maybe the oldest, maybe it works in order there, but still we just kind of, that would be guessing, educated, but guessing. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. That's powerful. That's, that's the nail that we will hang our sermon. But Martha was distracted. Somebody say distracted. Amen. That happens to us, doesn't it? Cell phones, apps, iPhones, Galaxy, Facebook, Craigslist. Amen. 
Now, none of you ever done that in church. I'm talking about to those who stayed home today. That's the guilty party, right? Amen. <laughs> yeah, right. And she approached him and said, Lord, I love this about her. I, I love this. I, I applaud her. Not only is she upset, she goes to the Lord in her house and says, do you not care that my so-called sister, I added that part, but my so-called sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, Lord, tell her to get up. Man, I like that. All right, it says help me, but you got the point. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing, somebody say one thing. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. That's what I want to preach. Just for a few moments on choosing the good part. Amen. You may be seated. The mystery of intimacy. From week one, I have tried to get you in God's presence. We went back to the Song of Solomon. I showed you how that we can become cold and indifferent towards our lover, our love for the Lord. In week two, we saw passion restored on the road to Emmaus as Jesus shared the word. Week three, we begin to talk about the birthing room or the lack thereof, how Michael did not give birth and how it's put right there, tucked away in scripture when she rebuked David for his intimate worship. Last week, we talked about Hannah and how her womb was closed and people made fun of her, but she had a way about getting God's presence. And before long, she was in such God's presence that the priest thought she was drunk. She said, I've not drank strong drink, but I was just lost in the presence of the Lord. My agony turned into praise. Next thing you know, he says, you shall be with child. And you can read the rest of that chapter and know how it takes place very quickly. Today, though, I want to speak to the church and maybe, just maybe, this sermon is saved just for you because, to be honest, if you don't hear me, I'm going to be misunderstood. The last thing that I want to do this morning is to lay out a message that would enable people to be uncommitted or lazy at the North Walhalla Church of God. We have a healthy church full of workers. I cannot do it by myself, by no means. There are things that people are skilled with, that they work and they give their work here, and I want to encourage you to continue. But looking at the text this morning, first let me set this up. The, by the, the statistics tell us that 20% of the church does 80% of the work. That's true. If it's not true, it's less than that. 10% of the church does 90% of the work. I got, one, I got one amen. Everybody else is saying, he's talking about those who stayed home. Amen, praise God. <laughs> but it's the truth. From the beginning, I want to let you know, I am not here to bash Martha. I have heard this sermon preached in ways that appalls me. I have seen this lady destroyed. I think it's unfair to her that she is always paralleled, compared, or contrasted with Mary throughout history. Maybe I'm wrong for that, but I, I, I like her. I can identify with her. She's the one that when nobody else is working, she's working for the kingdom. She's practical. She's a worker. She's industrious. She's busy, probably preoccupied, but yet she's doing it for the Lord. But the sad part, once again, people don't remember her for her service. They remember her for the rebuke that she receives. 
Martha is the oldest sister. She is the one working behind the scenes. She is the one that fixes the food that you eat even though people don't bring anything with them. Hello? I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about those that stayed home right then. <laughs> it's the truth. She's the one that's gonna make sure that when the Lord comes, his feet are washed. Or at least there's a bucket there, I should say. She's gonna make sure that there's food in the cabinet. She's gonna make sure that the house is clean. She's the one that's gonna make sure that the Lord, when he comes, that everything is in order. And in fact, now, when the Lord comes to Bethany, verse 38, Martha says, somebody go get him. When he comes to this town, he comes to my house. She's not known for that, but it's the truth. This is the family that loved the Lord and the Lord loved this family. Somebody had to always prepare though the Lord's day. It was Martha. She doesn't leave it to nobody else. She doesn't say, Anthony will do it. She doesn't say, Sister Chapman will do it. She says, no, if he comes to this town, he's coming to my house. The Lord is too great to depend upon somebody else. I'm gonna be the one to make sure that the Lord's needs are taken care of. She invites him to his house. But the thing is, she began to feel comfortable with the Lord. She's not flabbergasted about anything other than that he's coming to her house. He gets there, let me set the scene. When he gets to her house, everything is normal and that's probably the problem. Everything is normal. The Lord is there, the Messiah, the King of Kings. Mary is sitting, you're gonna be the Lord this morning. Mary has positioned herself for worship for tutoring, for learning. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, but Martha's busy. She's cleaning. Sister Wanda, she's making the biscuits. She, she's cooking the fried okra, because that's what we eat here in O'Connor County. Can somebody say amen? Amen, amen, amen either one. She's the one making sure everything is just right. Mary's sitting there. I, from the old church, would say, I, I know it's wrong, but just let me set this up. She's the one that says she can worship, she can shout, but let me tell you, as soon as we pull the vacuum cleaner out, nobody can find Mary. I know you've never said that. I, I, I know. I said I said that a long, long time ago when I was lost. <laughs> but that's Mary. Martha is busy. And all of a sudden, she gets tired of it. She is fed up to here. She doesn't get her mama involved. She doesn't get Lazarus involved. She doesn't call the priest. She goes to the king of kings and the Lord of lords and she has angst against him. She is mad. She is wroth. She is tired of this. She is tired of working. She is bitter. She is upset. She's not gonna take it any longer and she goes to the Lord and in front of Mary, she says this, don't you care? Don't you love me? She, she doesn't do nothing but sit at your feet. I'm the one making your food, Lord. I've got the fish just like you like it. It's cooked just like you like it. But yet she's Googling, gaga over you and talking about water and wine and, and walking on water and the lady at the well. I'm the one that's frying the fish. Lord, don't you care? Do you not care enough about me to tell my lazy sister to get up and be about the house business? Oh, somebody say amen. amen. You're listening. I, I, I may not have all of you, but I have, I have pretty much all of you now. You're listening because somebody said, he's talking about my sister. <laughs> <laughs> Lord, don't you care? But the Bible is very clear in verse 40. It's not that the Lord didn't care. There's something happening with Martha that she doesn't recognize. 
I've seen it in ministers. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in churches when they become bitter and cynical. When they start worrying about what everybody else is doing and not what I'm not doing. Preaching to me. I've already confided in one of my ministers and I've told him to hold me accountable because I am preaching to me. I was upset this past week with a minister who has open sin in his life and God had to rebuke me and check me on it to pray for the man. Sometimes I can be like that. Not to you, but to people who know better. People who should know better. And that's what's happening here. This woman is doing the Lord's work, but she's not doing it the Lord's way. She's upset. She's not taking it no more. And the Lord looks at her and says, Martha, why are you so anxious? One translation says, why are you filled with anxiety? And then he says to her father, because he knows her, he says, and Martha, it's not just one thing you upset about, it's many things. It's many things that have you trouble, and this thing is necessary, but leave Mary alone. What Mary is doing is a good thing, and she's going to receive a good portion. And Martha, I know you don't like it, but for now on, Mary will be recognized for this, and what I give her, nobody will ever, ever take it away. Listen to me. There is something that happens in intimacy that cannot be done anywhere else. There are things that happen with intimacy with me and my wife. There's things that are birthed that cannot be birthed anywhere else. They cannot be man-made. There's no formula. It's not something that you heard on the internet. It's intimacy. It's physical. It's mature. It's spiritual. It's enlightened. But when it happens with God, it's the same way. There are things bold that can only happen in God's presence. I know you work for the Lord. I work for the Lord. But if we don't do it the right way, we we can start pointing fingers. We can be drifting from the Lord and not even know it. We can be the busiest person in the church but still be the bitterest person in the church. I, 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 let me be honest. And I, it's two o'clock crowd. I have trouble preaching this message because if I know it convicts me, it's going to convict some of my leaders who give everything to the Lord. And I don't want to hurt any of them but I know what the Holy Ghost has told me. Something happens in intimacy. Surely the Lord could see Martha working, but he didn't. Oh, he saw her working, but yeah, he still rebukes her. Surely he see Martha's heart. She's the one making his food, but yet he still rebukes her. Maybe a better word is correct her. Let me tell you why. First of all, she is serving out of anxiety and not out of love. Listen to me. There are two ways that I see people that serve the Lord that eventually fall out with God. If you serve out of anxiety and fear, you're gonna miss out with God. If your service for the Lord is a fear-based theology or a pride gratification theology, one day you're gonna turn your back on the Lord. Pastor, I don't believe that. I do. Because the church business will be too tough. The preacher's going to let you down. The church of God's going to let you down. You're going to be passed over for, for the promotion. Your husband's going to have an affair. Your kid's going to get in a car wreck. And if you're not careful, if you're not have intimate contact with the Lord, what you're doing for him, you'll have a begrudging spirit. And when you have a begrudging spirit, 
You'll start saying things like this, God, nobody recognizes what I do. God, nobody sees what I do. God, nobody gives me praise. God, nobody, nobody, nobody. God, I left home and went to Wahala five hours away, and yet we got preachers now, God, who won't travel five miles to share the gospel because they're too busy. God, look what Neil's done. Look what Neil's been through. God, look what Neil had to endure to preach the gospel. God, shouldn't I have double blessing? See, if you're not careful, serving out of anxiety and fear and pride will cause you to miss God. You could have a church badge, you could be a credential minister, you could have an usher tag and still not be in the presence of the Lord. Some of the most bitter people are church people. Come on, just stay with me. I'm not, I'm not preaching on your toes. First of all, let me tell you why I fear. Sometimes in, in Pentecostals, in Pentecostal service, we have made people to serve out of obligation, pressure, duty, and service, and we're wrong. If I say, you know what, I went visit your son in the hospital, and you lay out of church. You lay out of church. I was the pastor. No other pastor around here visited. I'm the one that visited. It was the North Wahala pastors, and yet, yet you've been out of church three times this Sunday. If that's the pressure I put on you, I'm trying to manipulate your emotions by my work ethic to make sure you come to church. The problem with that is, if we have a good relationship, which we don't because I wouldn't have said that, but just by the story, as soon as that feeling leaves you, you're going to lay out of church again. Because a fear-based, anxiety-driven, pressurized serving the Lord will never, ever last. You should love your wife, Neil, because she is the mother of your children. I love the video you posted. We're going to show it next Sunday. First of all, you should love your wife because Scripture commands it and it's who you are. But if I have to twist your arm, it's not going to last. Hello? That's what's happening right here. This is no good. I've even heard things like this. Joy and I talked about church this morning and, and this wasn't Wahala, so that's a good thing. But in the church I came out of, we even heard things like this. If you don't do this, you're gonna go to hell. If you don't do this, you're gonna go to hell. And I was so terrified. Oh, terrified. Excuse me, I'm thinking about chicken, terrified. Anyway, I was so upset. I was thinking, God, if I don't, if I don't preach every night of the week, then God, I'm gonna go to hell. What terrible theology abusing my body, traveling all over the world, traveling four hours one way at times for seven days, 10 days, never telling anybody no when scripture shows us that we've got to get away and rest. But I was so afraid to let somebody down and so afraid that I might lose my salvation and so afraid of these things that my service for the Lord was out of fear and out, out of love. You cannot force somebody with fear to serve the Lord. This creates an atmosphere where people serve out of fear and not out of love. The Lord said there's only one way and it's out of love, church. Fear makes people work for the kingdom who do not have kingdom mentalities. Listen, when you don't have a kingdom mindset, you cannot work for the kingdom. I went and visited your family three times this week. I think you ought to give me a, another love offering. No, see, that's, that's manipulation. That's out of fear. I made you fear that you offended me. I made you fear that you hurt my feelings because I felt like you should have done more for me and you know me better than that, by the way. But that's what we do. 
It is a fear-based, anxiety-driven, I'm worried about what somebody might think. I'm going there in just a second. And when you do that, you miss it. Because why? You become bitter. And when you become bitter, you have bad attitudes. And what you start doing, you don't serve the Lord because you love him. You start making a checklist. You don't come in God's presence and say, God, I don't care if nobody else shows up. I might be the only one that's coming to praise you at two o'clock, but I know this. You told me if I come into your presence, you would inhabit my praises. So God, if nobody else doesn't come, me and you are about to have church. People that have bitter attitudes because of anxiety become possessive. Now sit them up you. Where were you 30 years ago? When my grandma gave this money for this pew, where were you at? Well, 30 years ago, I was playing t-ball. Hello? You become possessive because you are afraid that they won't see your family's name on the side of the pew. Instead of saying, my family gave this pew for you so you can sit on it because they had more vision than I have to know that the church would grow so their name is not ownership. It is a gift to God. Say, God, fill up my pew one day, not with me and my pride, but with people that need to know the voice of Almighty God. <laughs> Secondly, and let me tell you, this is mine. I'm gonna put this out there, pride. I thought I killed it. Anthony, I was arrogant when I was lost. I thought I killed it, but it, pride has a way of changing clothes. You know, when I was lost, I wanted to be the best looking, you know, I missed that one, didn't I? But anyway, I wanted to be the best looking, the biggest chain, the best car, best rims. I wanted the girls to notice me. It's that pride that says that. But when you get saved, you think you've crucified that. But see, the enemy, he's slain. He'll just dress it up different. See, sometimes I serve the Lord with my gifts and with my talents. Why? Because I wanted other people to see my gifts and my talents. Look what I've done. Look what I've given. I preach better. I sing better. Scotty Hager has nothing on me. I'll out-sing Scotty Hager 10 times a week. Actually, I was singing a while ago, and they all looked at me and said, is your mic off? I told them, I out-sing Scotty Hager. Hush your mouth. Well, I told them. It's the truth. Look at my talents. Look at this. And what we do, we serve. But here's the problem, Anthony, with this is that when we begin to have a struggle and you will in ministry, some people, if a church attendance drops, then their level of confidence and their worship with the Lord drops because they base their relationship with God on how successful they are in ministry. Well, I got voted on the deacon board, so that means I'm super duper saint. No, I see some deacons, not at this church, who I didn't even think were saved. Not just deacons, preachers, district overseers, and maybe one or two state overseers. Hello? I'm not playing games, I'm being for real. Because it's pride-based. I pastor the biggest church. 
My church bought me a Lincoln. That's what they used to do in the 90s, right? Now preacher drives trucks down. But Anthony, before you and I came along, you were known how successful of a pastor you were because you would comb your hair straight back and drive a Lincoln. And if you didn't comb your hair straight back and drive a Lincoln, so you're going to hell. There's no way you can fit in right now. Amen. <laughs> you were in trouble. I'm being honest. Now the younger preachers is skinny jeans and you got to dye your hair. I can't dye a bald spot. It just don't work. I don't know what to do here. But that's how we've done it. And I've known this. Preacher friends of mine, when the church is growing, they're the best pastor. Let me tell you what God's doing. But if a family leaves town, it doesn't have to be for a bad reason. If a family leaves, moves, they're down because their numbers drop. Listen to me. God did not die for us because I'm a good pastor. He didn't die for me because I may preach good every once in a while. He died for me because he loved me. And he wants me to love him back and serve him out of love and not out of fear and pride. My last two years of ministry through two voice surgeries and everything with my father, I finally realized this took me 20 years. But the crowds took me 20 years to get over this, and I'm ashamed to say it 20 years to realize God loves me whether I'm the pastor of North Walhalla or if I'm not. He loves me. Now I want to work for him. I'm going to touch on that in the last 10 minutes. Listen to me. But he loves me. Not because we're going to take you some more new members next month. Not because we're going to baptize. Oh, that's great. I love doing that. But he loves me. Not because I'm serving him in Martha's house. But because he loves me. And see, when you serve him out of love, then you don't get mad like I have done preaching to me. When I see other people being praised, and I'm going, God, you know they've got private sin. I know they've got private sin. God, I don't like their arrogance. God, how can he walk with anointing and be so arrogant? See, it's not his problem, it's my problem. Because if I would just worship God in the spirit and beauty of holiness, I wouldn't be so worried about that preacher. I would be worried about Neil and say, God bless him. I may not understand him, but that's none of my business. You're my business, God. And I want to be in your presence. Thirdly, thirdly, listen to me. It's not for, it's with. We don't love and serve for God. Change your theology. Change your mouth. There's power of life and death. You, you don't pay tithe. You give tithe because you're a steward. Little things. We don't spend money at North Walhalla. We invest money. There's a difference. Spending money is not buying a pack of chewing gum. Investing. If we have to buy a heater, we invest because we want you comfortable. Don't you understand? It's the same way. You don't work for him. You work with him. When I work for him, we have traded something. I'm getting a wage. I work for the government. Uncle Sam pays my bills. And then therefore, I have allotted certain things in agreement. I don't work for God. I work with him. Because it's his work. And when I work for him, it changes my dynamics of service. Working for him means that we have traded. God, since you saved me, I'll preach. Baby, since you married me, I'll buy you a Valentine's gift. Now, if we wasn't married, you might get a Snickers bar, right? Come on, five minutes, stay with me. <laughs> Jessica, I love you, and since we are married, and I'm afraid of you at night that you might hit me with a frying pan, therefore, I'm going to buy you an anniversary gift. This past week, 
They have the top 100, 200 churches inside, and, and Church of God. And we were invited. I was invited. I'd been away with my father and I only had one day for my anniversary. And on that one day, even though it was not the day of my anniversary, I had to choose between going to this big conference or taking my bride away from a day, four days, excuse me. 10 years ago, I would have went to the conference and smiled about the big church I pastor. Not anymore. As you grow in the Lord, you realize I'm not here showing off trophies. And I realized that at that time, because she is my bride of relationship and we have a covenant of one, that it's more important for me now to be in her presence. I honor my overseer. I'm sorry. He knows where I was at, why I was there. But at that time, she is the most important thing, not because I'm married to her, but because I love her. It's not for, it's with. I'm not trading. If you kiss me, I'll buy you a coach pocketbook. No, 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 no. You're not trading. I would like to get a little deeper, but for tact, I'll stay right where I'm at. No, you're not trading. You're not even trading with the Lord. Since you saved me, I'll sing in the choir. You might as well stay in the pew. Stay in the pew because you're doing it for, because he did this. No, since you are saved and you know him and you sit at his feet, you say, God, I'm gonna sing not because somebody twisted my arm, but because you've been good to me and I want to sing praises to my God. Come on, give God praise if you believe that. <laughs> I got four minutes. Stay with me. Listen to me. No, no service tonight. See there, you get to watch that game on TV. Just stay with me. What happens is we do an injustice. Two things, two things. We put beginners in service because nobody else will do the job. Listen to me. That is the worst thing we can do. Leave the job open until somebody can walk with God takes the job. Brother Noah, they just got saved. If we don't give them a job, they're going to turn their back on God. No. If we give them a job while they're still a beginner, they're going to hate you, hate me, hate church, and eventually hate God. Because they think everybody's here. I'll never forget the first time Jessica and I, we were married. She'd been at, she's been at PD Youth Camp all her life. All her life. She works every week. She's a counselor. She serves. But when she married me, she was around more preachers. I'll never forget this. Dana, this is what she did one night. She came to me. She says, I hate this. And I go, okay, we'll go home then. All right. And she said, no. She says, I thought everybody worked here because they love God, love this camp, and love these teenagers. She said, I never knew that some of these preachers are only here so they could be on a church of God board, and I hate it. And I thought, well, tell me how you really feel about it. <laughs> and it, I had to work with her on that. I had, that they're good people. It messed her up. It, Danny, it messed her up for a season. I, I thought she didn't want to go back to camp for a while because she realized that there are some people that are doing it for what they can get out of it. And if she would not have been seasoned, she would have quit loving on children. And that's what the enemy wants. See, it's not a fear-based, pride-driven worship or service to God. It's out of a relationship that says, I love you, Lord. And if nobody else does it, I'm going to mop the floor of this church. I'm going to give my offering. I'm going to sing, not because I have to, but because I want to. Because you have been good to me. Martha, leave Mary alone. Why? She was distracted. That word distracted means that her mind was being pulled apart in every direction. That's what happens in church. 
I can't believe that person's in the choir. I can't believe the preacher's got a pink tie on. I thought he was a real cowboy. Look at him up there in that pink tie. Well, sometimes people give me gifts and I wear them. See, you're condemning me already and this is nothing but a good gift. I'd worship in the Holy Ghost, but you can't serve God at no church when a preacher wears a pink tie. He's too sissy to wear that kind of tie. That's how people work in their minds. I've seen it. I can't go to church there. My ex, 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 ex girlfriend when I was in the seventh grade is now coming and I am still mad at her. Get over it. She didn't like you then. She don't like you now. She's not thought about you. You're the one thinking that you're some kind of super duper whopper and she's done had 4,500 more boyfriends since you. I can't worship. I got to go somewhere else. You've been looking to go somewhere else because you don't want to stay in the presence of the Lord. It's not the service. It's the service first because Mary, who I have called lazy, now has a testimony as I close. For the rest of time of one, we used to sing this song, at his feet. Only thing she did was sit down. Now, I can prove to you. Somebody is saying, I'm glad a preacher preached that. I'm just going to worship and I'll never have to work at this church again. <laughs> and then you're the one that missed the message. Because once you get in his presence, you work the more. It doesn't mean with a vacuum cleaner, it could be in prayer, it could be on the phone could be praying for me. It could be going to the nursing home. It could be serving. But you do it not to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Jesus said, I see those that do it in private and I reward them in the open. Mary is at his feet. What does that mean? Like Paul at Gamaliel. That means she was being taught. And what she was saying is, Lord, I worship you. Jesus was in the house and he had become so familiar to Martha she didn't even worship him. She's just mad at her lazy sister. But yet Jesus says, Mary's got it. She's got it. And she worships him. She's being taught. Listen to me. The biggest kickback, I want you to hear me. The biggest kickback that I've got at North Wallace since I've been here is that I believe if you work for the Lord, you should also spend time in prayer and in service. Nobody should work every service for the Lord. Sister Debbie teaches one Sunday a month so Ashley and Brandy could come and get fed. If not, they will burn out. Brother Donald, I, I don't need that. Sweetie Pie, you needed a long time ago. Brother Nola, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been serving God longer than you have, that you should know better. That your service will become cold and stagnant and you'll become bitter if you don't stay in God's presence. Mary was being taught. Then later she went out and worked. I don't know who I come to preach to, but at his feet is a place of surrender where anxiety flees. You should work for the Lord out of fear. You shouldn't work for the Lord out of pride. Look at me. I want to make people. I used to do that. Roy, I used to want people to be happy when they left service. I would ask them when I was young, I hope you enjoyed service. I hope you did. And God began to convict me and say, why are you so worried about what they think? 
I'm the one you've got to please. And if you preach what I say, they're not always going to be happy with you. So quit chasing their approval and start seeking mine. Would you stand with me, please, all over the house? Hallelujah. That went better than what I thought. Amen. Listen, I want you to work. We need more volunteers right now. But I don't want you to do it because I'm twisting your arm. I don't want you to work for the kingdom because out of force or manipulation. I want you to first go spend time with him. And what you're fearing may not even be what God's calling you to do anyway. Hello? God may be saying, listen, I don't want you to sing. I don't want you to preach. I've got something new for you. But I can't get you along with me enough to tell you. Are you listening today? Let's work for the Lord. But let's do so first after we've been in his presence. Amen? Here's what I want to do in closing. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I want everybody that would say, Pastor, word spoke to me. All of the house, just come stand at the altar. All of the house. Everybody, everybody come, come, come quickly, 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 quickly. I just want to pray over you. I want to pray over you. No fear. No fear. Not pride. But a worship with intimacy. And when you do that, Rusty, that's why you can go do hammers. Probably went down there, didn't have the help you needed because somebody always backs out. But you win anyway. How can he do that? Because he's doing it with the Lord. With the Lord. And then you, instead of blaming people, you'll start taking up for people. Maybe they had a problem. Maybe we'll pray for them. But God will change them. Amen? Amen. Have you enjoyed the word? Some of you look like you're squinting just a little bit. You're scaring me. Amen? Listen, I want you to hear me. Person gets saved, we're not going to put them in ministry. The old church, Brother God, they used to put them through a discipleship program. We're changing a little bit of our children's ministry on Wednesday night because we want them discipled. Discipled. New converts class. They get saved doing drugs last night and now we're going to put them over to the choir. No. No. They've got to go spend a long time. Paul, get away for three years. Get away. Then come back and tell us about the third heaven. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I have preached this word. I don't want to say I was afraid, but God, I have wrestled over this word. Because there are people that work at this church, Lord, and you know they do things that nobody sees. And the last thing I want to do is offend them. But Father, also you're calling people away. Oh, I felt you, Holy Spirit. Wow. God, you're calling people away to be in your presence. And when they come out of your presence, God, then they're going to serve with gladness. And I, oh, I felt bad. Let me tell somebody something. You don't have to worry about it. God's going to supply your need. You say, Pastor, I, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to have enough workers. And I'm not going to have the resources. I'm not going to have the money. Let me tell you, the devil's a lie. Yes, you will. You just stay in his presence. You stay in his presence. And then you serve out of his presence. Not for him, but with him. By doing it with him, you're going to see great and mighty things. Can somebody say amen?
Do me one more favor. Put your hand on the shoulder of the person beside of you. Would you pray with them, please? I want you praying. Not me, you pray. Pray for them, pray for them, pray for them. Pray for their, their intimate time with God. Would you do that, please? Let's pray. Listen, before you leave this sanctuary, I want you to go ahead and set a time in your mind, listen to me, of the next intimate encounter with God. Say, so Brother Dole, I'm away, let it be spontaneous. God can do that, I, I agree. But I, I want you to take the initiative. Before you leave, God, tonight at 10 o'clock, kids are going to bed, I'm gonna meet you in my prayer closet. Just me and you, just me and you. God, one o'clock, my wife, once she turns off TV, I'm going to my prayer closet. Just me and you. God, I don't, I, I'm not setting a time limit on it. Me and you. And God, whatever you want to do, me and you, God. Three o'clock in the morning, 4.30 when everybody else is still asleep and you got to get up early, you're going to get up 30 minutes early. Say, God, that 30 minutes, that's me and you and watch how your day is going to change. Sure, I know something's going to tear up. Somebody's going to get mad. The dogs will run away when you start praying, but pray anyway. Yes. Amen? Because something happens in intimacy with God. That's where visions are birth. That's where buildings are built. Not out of my, on my back, not on my good name, not on my politics, but with my long time with him. Amen? Yes. Amen. Thank you for hearing this word. Make sure you do that, please. I love you. No service tonight. With the weather like it is, prayer meeting tomorrow night at 7. We tonight, the tabernacle. Saturday is our marriage conference. It is free. The deacons have backed me on this. There is no excuse. We just need you to sign up. Why? Because we're catering a meal just for you. Amy's going to decorate. It's going to be so romantic. Amen? Amen? It's going to be so romantic that I won't even have to do anything else for Valentine's but this church meeting. You believe that, don't you, Brother Joe? Amen? I love you. We're trying to invest in your marriage, but we need you to invest in your marriage. Amen. Let's bow our heads. We're going to close in prayer. Then fist bump each other. No handshaking right now. We're just going to do a little fist bump. Father, we love you. We thank you. What a great God. Father, I pray we have more workers sign up this week than any other time. But Father, not out of me obligating or putting pressure I remember when I came to the church, they wouldn't even let us take vacations. Almost made people feel bad for taking a vacation. But God, that's not even scriptural. We need rest. We need that. Why do we make people feel bad to get them to do what we want them to do? Real leaders do not manipulate. Real leaders lead. Father, I'm trying to lead our people to a place with you where things can be birthed nowhere else. Blessed be their hearing and the reading of God's holy word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. You're free to go. Let's give him a hand of praise. Amen.